Welcome to another exciting episode of Be Positive. Hey, what's up? I'm Fraser. I'm Louie. And we're Be Positive. Oh, that was a bit yelly. That was a little, but I feel it's good. I feel like we're coming into it with energy. Too much energy. No, I think, I think this level of energy is good. The best, the best. It's positive. Um, Alrighty. <laughs> so this week we're uh, watching. Where did Matongo? No, that's not. That's not the title. Uh, I guess. Uh, Ishiro Honda's Matango. Or, as it was uh, labeled for the US release, Attack of the Mushroom Kingdom. No. Attack of the Mushroom People. Something's being attacked by mushrooms. <laughs> um, which I think is... I think that title does the film a, a disservice. It does. It really does. It, it gives... It cheapens it. makes it real schlocky. Yeah. And I mean, I, we should maybe right off the bat just say that this is not a B film at all. Yeah, this technically would have been an A film, but it does have B film status because of the way it was released internationally. And, yeah, I guess that's kind of a Western-centric way of, of looking at it, yeah. which of course we can't escape because yeah. here we are. Uh, in the immortal words of Rammstein, we're all living in America. We are all living in America. So, but anyway, this film was a quite a big production by Toho Studios, of course. Famous for making the Godzilla franchise. Yeah, and Ishiro Honda himself, of course, the director of the original Godzilla. Yeah, he actually directed something like 11 Toho films in total or something. Don't fact check me on that, though. I mean... But I mean, if you want facts, go do check fact them. check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just but don't, don't let us know. Again, alternative facts all up in here. And uh, the cast also, as I understand it, were quite famous in, in oh, yeah. this film. Yeah, and the acting, I mean, despite the fact that the copy that I watched was the mm. dubbed version, which, you know, apparently it takes a lot away from the script, but the acting was very good. I wasn't expecting acting yeah. of that caliber, actually. I've got to say, um, it was a little difficult for me to to appreciate the acting through that awful dub. Yeah. Man, yeah, I also I watched the same version you did. And I really wish we could have found... Um, the original. Yeah. I think the only reason this is a B-movie is the dub. Yeah. The only bit of actual uh, Western interference with the film made it a B-film. Yeah. Weird. Um, I'm sure that means something. I mean, it does... I don't want to get all philosophical because I'm not real into using my brain today. But yeah, no, I'm sure there's meaning in there. So if you pick up on meaning, tweet it at us or let us know on the Facebook group. You know? Yeah, trying to get that Facebook group burgeoning. Yeah, so far we've got one one loyal commenter. Yeah, uh, shout out to, to Bobby Bergswick. Yeah, you the man. Uh. <laughs> all right, so uh, we're getting off on... A tangent here so let's quickly run through the, the plot synopsis and yeah. then we get right into the tasty stuff let's do it all right so what happens is we start off with a boat full of a random collection of people a millionaire uh, actress, a writer a writer a professor a student and a, a sailor and a skipper, skipper which I don't really understand his character, but that could also just be the dub. Because he's supposed to be the 
captain of the yacht? He's he's the captain of the yacht, but not the owner. Oh, so he's... He's uh, a boat shiffer. A flunky. A boat fur. <laughs> so what happens is that they get into a spot of trouble. Bit of a storm mm-hmm. kicks up. Boat gets trashed. And they end up stranded on some deserted island. Yeah, and uh, on this deserted island, they find another ship also wrecked there. Uh, And as they explore, they find that the whole thing is covered in fungus. Yeah, a lot of thick, powdery fungus. Yeah, more a mold. Mold is fungus. Yeah. Um, Fungus for the youngest. And uh, so they clean up the cabin, and that's kind of where they move in. But they have a problem. They're running out of food. Yes. Um... And there's not much on the island except for these mushrooms growing in abundance, as they say. Yeah, at first it does just look like a subtropical island. You've got like ferns and stuff all over the show. Mm-hmm. But then once it rains, man, those mushrooms pop up oh, everywhere. Yeah, they pop in. Actually, also one of the most unsettling scenes in the film for me. But we'll get back to that. Yeah. So anyway, as the hunger starts to get to them, they start infighting, and one by one, they succumb to the temptation. And eat the mushrooms. Which then, of course, of course, turns them into mushroom people. Just like regular mushrooms. You know. That's why I never uh, go for the Alfredo. That's exactly why I go for the Alfredo. I mean, the Alfredo is literally my favorite pasta, but I just wanted to do a thing there, sound real clever. Yeah. It didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> so, great plot. Uh, very reminiscent of Gilligan's Island, but in a sort of reversed way. Very strange. Mm-hmm. The scriptwriter Takeshi Kimura, was actually a member of the Japanese Communist Party. Yeah, I, I read about him. Very, very interesting. Um, apparently, he was like the grumpiest man in Tokyo. <laughs> There is a lot of hate for Tokyo and for, like, modern life in this film. There's a lot of critique happening. Yeah. Considering just the way people, I don't know, interact and the degradation of Mm -hmm. society's moral fiber. And, um, you know, it's also something that you see in the characters. They're all really shitty people. Yeah. At first, they do start... They start off, like, tolerably shitty. But then that all changes. Yeah, Kasai is a total arrogant, you know, yuppie scum. Yeah, as, I mean, there's only one type of yuppie. Exactly. <laughs> scum. Scum. Um, Isn't scum the... also a type of fungus? Scum. Sc- yeah, I guess it would be, like an algae or a... Is Algae isn't fungus. No. No, no we're algae wrong. Algae isn't. It's not a science podcast. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely not. Um, a you've got the podcast. the writer who plagiarizes his novels. Um, does he plagiarize his novels? Oh, you know what? I read that somewhere. So that's probably part of the original script. Yeah, it must be. Because um, in the dub, you don't get that. I don't pick that up. The dub is very. The dialogue's very simple in the dub. It's like someone took the original script, went like, "Yeah, no, too much effort," and then just said whatever they thought was applicable and you've got the the professor who's one of the nicer guys i guess and also he's also sleeping with a student yeah and he's also the only one to survive 
the island. Yeah, he's our main character, Kenji. Uh, although, I don't really like him. No, also not a great person. But it's great because um, I don't actually like any of the characters. Yeah. And that's a very no. bold move in a, in a sense of storytelling. You don't really want any of these characters to survive. Yeah, but you don't also don't want to see them go through what is truly fantastic body horror when the mm. the fungus starts growing out of them. Yeah, that's freaked me that's out. Some Cronenberg level level stuff right there. Oh, yeah. But so they're all these like awful people, which I think you know shows us some of this film's view of humanity. Yeah, um, and that's also especially encapsulated in the. In the framing narrative, yes. which I don't think we've mentioned, where Kenji is in a mental institution, oh, of course, looking yes. out over Tokyo, and he's telling the story. So we get, you know, just a couple of minutes of him in the beginning, where he sets it up, and then again at the end, when he reveals that he is also half transformed. He's become a fun Gus. <laughs> <sighs> yes, I had to get that one in. So you know how I've been talking about Zolo Maxiloft for a good long while now. And like I said, I'm a happy customer. My second head agrees. Um, the second head has now via osmosis formed its own body. So now we are two separate people. So I guess I have a twin. So we're both on Zolo Maxiloft and it really makes us feel good. It's replaced everything else in our lives and it can in yours too. Zolo Maxiloft, be different. This film reminds me a lot of stories like Lord of the Flies, mm-hmm. uh, showing that the rules of society, uh, you know, they easily fall apart as soon as a intense enough stress is placed in your environment. Yeah, we absolutely see this complete dissolution of civilized rules. And we see that quite early, where once they discover the ship and they find the canned food, Kasai, the millionaire, the owner of the boat, goes down to find uh, Senzo and Yashimura, the writer and the sailor, eating the, the spam right out of the can there. Yeah. And he's like, well, you should give me some of this food. And they're like, dude... We found it. Yeah, exactly. We're not playing by your rules anymore. The hierarchy is like completely upended. Yeah, which is definitely where I can see that communist influence coming in because the working class characters immediately take power away from the more bourgeois characters. Yeah, absolutely. We also see this kind of backslide out of civilization when Senzo the sailor, he he like makes an announcement at breakfast where he says like, uh, we're all going crazy on this ship and I know why, it's because of these women. Oh yeah. And then he's just like... He goes on this crazy misogynistic rant and then ends he's, up I think threatening he's basically rape. just sort of going guys we should we should totally rape these broads yeah well he literally says i might have this oh, i can't remember who he was referring to because the film was very confusing but he's like i think tonight i'm gonna have i think it was the actress uh, mamie 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 well that's how the it's m-a-m-i and the dub they say it as Mamie. Oh, uh, I'm terrible mommy. with names. So maybe Mommy. That opens up a whole new Freudian oh. bag of. <laughs> uh, I didn't bring my my pipe or my couch today. 
So yeah, it definitely walks in the footsteps of narratives like that, like Lord of the Flies, like... Um, Even the, the disappearance of the crew is reminiscent of Val Guest's uh, quartermass experiment. So what I'm talking about is the scientific vessel, the crew disappeared. Right. And then they ended up with like slippery fungus as the only clue as to the, you know, mm-hmm. what actually happened. And in the quarter mass experiment, you get the scene where the, there's two astronauts who are inexplicably, inexplicably missing. Right. Mm-hmm. And the only clue as to what happened is like slime inside their spaceship. Like spaceship. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it's reminiscent of, yeah. of that sort of thing. And that's what I find interesting of this film is it predates a lot of other genre pieces that, I mean, they rely heavily on on this film's initiative, really. They, this film was actually, mm-hmm. in my opinion, pretty damn groundbreaking. I mean, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure I agree with you. But also, I mean, look at films like uh, Larry Cohen's The Stuff, which... Yeah. You'll remember Which, from an earlier episode. Yeah, go check out episode two. One. W- no, what? Really? Is the stuff our first episode? No. No, no, Bubba Tips the first episode. Check us out. Not even knowing. Go me. go watch both of those episodes if you haven't. Um, I mean, listen to it. Watch it with your ears. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, yeah, but it's like body snatcher films like that as well. Because yeah. uh, it's pretty much exactly the stuff the stuff is <laughs> yeah. a ripoff of this film yeah or, or if maybe anything. it's just like a really universal story somehow yeah because it i feel the moral lesson for this film is that the path to damnation leads through pleasure right and the same with the stuff you know you get you're eating the stuff because it's it's uh, pleasurable and yeah. then eventually it destroys you and you're completely turn into either someone whose head explodes or a giant mushroom. I wonder, so if if the stuff was kind of uh, being critical of uh, consumer culture, what would be the parallel for Matango? Because I don't feel the mushrooms really specifically symbolize something. Or do you think it's like well, pleasure? If you look at 1960s Japan, right? The magic mushrooms psilocybin mushrooms were legal back then oh really and they only they were only outlawed in japan in 2002 so there was a big i mean you could you could buy magic mushrooms from like a kiosk on the side of the road okay so i feel like yeah so i feel like that also i mean it's like a bit of uh consumerism bit of capitalism in there because it's it's a, a critique of these highly civilized people who immediately break down to their base elements and become the worst of what's in all of us. Yeah. Or at least that's what I feel the message is trying to put across. And then also, shrooms were a big thing. And it does also have that sort of anti-drug metaphor. Because if you become one of them, one of the pleasure livers... Junkie. Yeah, you become a junkie and then that consumes you. And just in this case in a very literal sense the thing that's giving you pleasure literally consumes you yeah so i mean that's what i think i think it might be a little bit of a drag thing i think it could also be uh, an allegory for like a a cult because mm. you get the first guy going out into the woods and he finds this stuff he takes another person in 
and every time that someone gets recruited to eat the mushrooms they do it they are separated from the group they're isolated which is classic cult tactics where they yeah. isolate you from your uh, peers and your family and etc and then you know then it's easier to change things for you and then they start making you feel like you've become something different to the rest as in you become a mushroom person but now you're different and this is somehow desirable yeah this altered state of reality do you know how japan dealt with kind of the legacy of the second world war because i was just thinking now so because there seems to be a lot of like critique in here of the rapid modernization yes um and reindustrialization of japan yeah and uh, there's also a little bit in there about uh dangers of atomic radiation yeah that's like i feel like maybe it has something to do with unrecognized issues i mean it really because what happened after the second world war is japan was essentially occupied by, by america, america yeah. and they adopted a lot of the american values so this could and from a i mean from someone in the communist party i can totally see this as his agenda in yeah. writing the script it could just be a critique of americanization and you know saying that you people that uh, become capitalists and self-serving if you get put on a deserted island you're going to be super evil yeah because you're going to be very selfish you're forgetting about the survival of the group and if you forget about the survival of the group you forget about the survival of the species as a whole i don't know the critique could be that that's bad being yeah. overly selfish yeah but also what happened is that after the second world war there was a big uptake in arts and culture and stuff and as america was withdrawing from japan which i don't think they've fully done yet but i wouldn't no, know I mean, i'm not a i'm no it's expert still very close what happened was that in the late 50s to the early 70s what you had was uh japanese new wave cinema yeah. which most of the toho classics fall into this this is a prime example this is like right in right in the middle of the whole new wave genre mm. they were sort of a loosely connected group of filmmakers the new wave filmmakers and they dealt with uh taboo subjects yeah like sexual violence which you see in this form radicalism which i don't really see no. in this form korean discrimination because uh there's been a lot of tension since japan colonized colonized korea and they adopted a lot of unconventional approaches to uh composition editing and narrative choices yeah i mean really a, a golden age of japanese, japanese cinema, cinema. Yeah. yeah i feel like the work in this film the art direction and the visuals are on par with uh mario baba yeah i definitely you were saying earlier that you felt maybe uh, you know baba and, and this had some Connection. similarities or some connection i'm sure mario baba has seen this film at least well i mean i don't know as i don't an, know how as an interesting genre piece because i do have this again it predates a lot of baba's work and it's it's such a beautifully composed film and it is it's yeah. got a heavy heavy surreal edge to it yeah i mean that's something i can definitely say is that whether or not the films are connected in any way there's definitely a similar feeling of atmospheric dread yes and actually 
the only Dutch tilt I've ever seen that worked oh, really? for me. In this film? Um, yeah. I did not pick because up on the Dutch tilt. <laughs> usually, I, I just hate Dutch tilts. They're pet peeve. Yeah, they're overused. And, and they, don't, they don't do the job that, you know, film school tells people. It does, it, yeah. Yeah. But in this film, there's a moment where we see Mami or Mamie through a, a shattered glass door. And it's in a Dutch tilt and it comes at the end of this really tense build-up. And for me, it was quite... I had quite a visceral effect to it. It was like, oh, oh shit. Yeah. This is what a Dutch tilt's supposed to do. Also, the way the characters interacted in this film reminded me a lot of Jean-Paul Zart's No Exit. In that they were having all these ego-driven responses that are often worse than the actual circumstance that caused the response. Yeah. It's like this overreaction where it's like just this knee-jerk, oh no, me, me, me. Yeah, And that, that ruins the whole situation, makes it and, much and worse. constantly trying to manipulate the others. Oh, yes. Which is actually why I really dislike the, the Americanized subtitle, Attack of the Mushroom People. Yes. Because really they aren't being attacked by the mushroom people. They're being assimilated. Yeah, but really the people who are destroying them is them. Yeah. Like they're pulling their own group apart and letting people wander off and succumb to the the mushroom temptation yeah and also i mean the skipper at one point just leaves everyone yeah. he takes a he repairs the yacht and then just leaves. Just leaves and then he dies on his own but it's like why did you why did you leave you Although, know? i feel like what they should be doing is they should gather as many mushrooms as they can mm-hmm. load their load that onto the yacht sail away have one person eating mushrooms when they've turned into a mushroom everyone else eats that dude and then by that they're time mushrooms. they're in tokyo then, then everyone's it's like mushroom. the mushroom invasion of tokyo yeah done by that's the sequel maybe maybe that is the sequel there was actually a sequel a crossover with the godzilla franchise yeah where the mushrooms from matango sort of invade monster island <laughs> and you have all these kaijus that are infected with the the matongo parasite wow. and then godzilla has to deal with that somehow with his godzilla that sounds slightly less cynical in this film yeah the original godzilla it's a very cynical film mm. um, but the follow-up after that is very whimsical so it's sort of this toho thing they give you horror and then they make May just make a joke out of it. Yeah, just have a little campy fun with it. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Unending Existential Dread. Are you managing to get around to doing everything you need to do? Are you full of pep and life? Well, put a stop to it with Unending Existential Dread. For 20% off your first unending existential dread, go to your bed and scream BE POSITIVE into your pillow as loudly as you can. Thanks, dread. The pacing of the cinematography is very tense, and it actually reminds me a lot of Sam Raimi's Evil Dead. Because there's also a lot of, like, the yeah, cameras like the moving. Push zooms. And yeah, and it's... You get a very uh, 
a very visceral sense of mm. evil because the camera is sort of watching them, you know? Yeah. It's not just... And that's, you know, that's absolutely part of what's creating this atmosphere of mm. horror. It's a really tense film. Yeah, um, I was actually, you know, most, most films that are like more than 20 years old don't really get to me. Yeah. Like Alfred Hitchcock is very boring to watch for me. Oh, you can't say that. Sorry. It's just one of those things. Uh, but this film, <laughs> I was actually, there were moments like with the body, the, the uh, Cronenberg-esque body horror. I was yeah. like, I was a bit repulsed by the film at times. And also I was feeling tense. It's very slow burn. It's an amazing, that's why I love this film. It actually had an effect on me. Yeah. Where most movies I just watch, and I'm like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, just there. Yeah. yeah. I need to show you some old movies, though. Yeah, do that. It. You'll appreciate. But yeah, it's a film. I've seen critiques. People say that it sags in the end because it's just the characters bickering with each other. But really, I found that to be the most interesting part of the film. Yeah, that's it's their slow descent into madness. Yeah, which this, I mean, I know I say it about almost every film, but this film could also be Lovecraftian in nature. Yeah, I mean, the the transfigurations and the the full-fledged mush dudes. Yeah. They're pretty f- creepy. And yeah. Aliens. Why are, why, why are mushrooms creepy? Because they have no circulatory system they have no circulatory system they grow way too fast and they sort of can at times be pretty horrific if they're growing on a flesh and blood creature Mm. because Mm -hmm. they tend to take over the flesh and reconstitute the matter there into more fungus and that's horrifying yeah and I fully understand the terror in this film. Uh, because, like, those big mushrooms, they creep me out. They are very creepy. It becomes this alien hellscape, really. Yeah. That's why and I was saying that the like the art direction, which is when, you know, everything in the background that the actor is not interacting with is yeah. art direction. Everything they're interacting with is a prop. Yeah. And the art direction is super creepy. Yeah, really well done. And the mold that covers the ship is also... It's gross. Yeah, it's terrifying. Like, if I found that in my cupboard, I would cry. I would burn my house down and move to a different country. Yeah. uh, And hope never to experience that that stuff again. I mean, if I see black mold somewhere, I leave that building. I'm like, yeah, I'm done. It's usually in the bathroom. I'm like, yeah, I go up to the owner of the house or whatever. I'm like, hey, you got black mold. I'm leaving. That stuff's just too mm-hmm. scary. There's a, there's a scene where the women are running up the hill to fetch water. Mm-hmm. And that reminds me of our new sponsor. Oh, who's our new sponsor? Hashtag Sprint for Water. That is Sprint for WTR and it's a new show on Webflix uh, they take really thirsty people and they have them sprint up a hill to f- a stream of water in order to get nourishment okay my question is 
how are they going uphill and getting to water? Or is the idea that they they have to sprint while carrying water up a hill? No, no, they have to get to the water because okay. these people are sort of emaciated. Okay. They haven't had water in a month. I don't I don't like I don't like this. Who 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 organized the sponsorship deal? I don't know. Who's the producer on this show? Is I'm, it you? I'm the producer on the show. So you must have done it. I must have done it. Okay. Anyway, okay. whatever. Hashtag sprint for water. Check it out. It's on every day. Is it a real thing? It's not a real thing. It's not a real thing. How it would be a real thing if we, they were sponsoring us? <laughs> no real thing would ever sponsor us. Exactly. So here's what I was thinking, right? Because at the end, where it's just the the professor, and he's on his own, world's gone mad, everyone's chowing mushrooms. And he's like battling mushroom creatures yeah and there's all this disembodied laughter around him dude the laughter of the mushrooms also one of the truly horrifying but i want to pitch something else to you okay the mushrooms aren't laughing yeah the laughter is in his head and it's coming from his shattered psyche and actually it's just rolling around in a field of small mushrooms yeah just crawling <laughs> face at dirt level trying to escape <laughs> okay so i only really have one last point to make yeah um about the film so we've talked a bit about the pretty clear themes of of society breaking down when pressure is applied yes and it very quickly becomes this very base murderous drive to not only survive but also to gain power to control but i think what really got me in this film is the little twist they put on it at at the end at the very end when kenji's speaking to the doctors who are examining his mush face so many doctors so many but there would be a lot of doctors yeah yeah a lot of white, white cloaks where he he says that tokyo is really no different from the island yes so in a sense it's not that society is breaking down on the island but rather that it is revealed in its in its essence on the island yeah stripped and exposed yeah that civilization itself is this violent force yeah people tend to think of civilization as this peace uh, like this peaceful state of humanity yeah. but it is actually led to a far more violent yeah state of of humanity and uh well that's actually something we haven't dropped a lot of philosophers names yet this episode we got Sartre in there though yeah so that's yeah. good that's and a, i got that one yeah that's which like makes a, me feel real good that's a 10 pointer i feel real positive now the the slovenian philosopher slavoj zizek oh yes um he has a book about violence called violence good title uh, it is it's a really good book as well and he he distinguishes three kinds of violence right where you have your subject of violence which is the obvious kind of one-to-one violence that's a mushroom person eating you is subject of violence yeah or shooting uh face punching a fascist exactly that's vi- that's subject of violence then there's also systemic violence right which is the kind of violence of the forces that keep our system moving 
Yes. Wage labor. Prisons. The police. The police. The military. And then there's also objective violence, which is the violence of language and ideology. But anyway, it is those two kinds of violence, uh, systemic and objective, that kind of create the baseline against which we read subjective person-to-person violence Uh, of course right so we don't really see that violence because that's what we measure as peace as as non-violence but it is you know it is a massive project to keep a society like ours together right and it and it has to be done through oppression and repression so a war would be caused by the second and third categories and fought in the first exactly so i mean for example subjective violence is often a symptom of the other two as you say yeah so for instance it is an objective violence the idea of racism right it it, the idea of racism doesn't do anyone harm yeah physically but it is a violent idea and a violent foreclosure of thought and it, it is systemic violence that many black people are kept in in poverty unable to move out of that system yeah unfairly prosecuted that exposes subjective violence when someone either commits a racist act or someone lashes out against oppression yeah but we only really see the subject of violence especially when we are not caught up in the worst parts of systemic violence yeah so i think that's kind of something that this film tries to expose in a sense that the western driven consumerism uh, and modernization and these ideas of being civilized and being sophisticated are really just a veneer over this mushroom man eating your brain type of violence did you know that i didn't matango is also the name of a town in the democratic republic of congo really yeah this movie is also it's it's kind of hard to define as either a, a kaiju film which uh, kaiju the word kaiju literally means monster and that would a good example of that is godzilla yeah who i have a poster of and it's right behind me right now and so you can't really define it as kaiju or kaidan which is a ghost story mm. i mean there are ghost-like elements throughout the film there's this one this one weird little bit of editing I mean, I guess we kind of skipped over that because we don't really know what's going on. There. Yeah, I mean, but that's the way with all the films we watch. We don't that's we'll. true. We don't really know what we're doing. Yeah, so there's a scene where everyone's sleeping in the research boat, which they have taken as housing, and they hear something shuffling outside, and they're sort of freaking out. They're thinking, man, it's definitely the chupacabra coming at me, and they're freaking out they sort of start waking up and getting all tense and looking real sweaty also sweaty all the time very sweaty yeah yeah they get the gun and they're sort of collecting in one little cabin and this mushroom man walks in moans at at us yeah and then fades and then just suddenly like well what a strange dream we all had and i'm like no but he was no, right there. Something must have happened. Like, uh, how did he leave? Why? I was gonna say he's also the scariest mushroom man. Yeah, he's the. Yeah, he's sort of the only one we see where you can clearly see it's a human that yeah. has been fully reconstituted. He's he's kind of I would say like seventy percent mushroom. 
Yeah. Because he still has sort of the bottom part of his face. And eyes. He still has eyes. And eyes. Well, isn't his head like full of eyes? No, his head is full of tiny mushrooms growing out of his scalp. Mm. Which is when I saw that, I was like, no, not my head. Uh, Yeah, but that guy was super creepy. It made me want to wash my hair. And he had this really creepy little shuffle. Yeah, and he was dripping. Um, That was such a freaky thing. Good cinematography leading up because like he was only teased and then the big reveal. But then he moans at you. And then it just kind of disappears and they're like, wow, that was crazy, right guys? What a... What a weird dream we all had at the I'm same sure time. I'm sure we were just seeing ghosts. And then, well, but then they look out the window and they see his footsteps on the beach. Do they see him walking or do they no, see no, no. his they footprints? No, 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 they see uh, footprints. All oh, right, right. The sound in this film, like the effects, the sound effects, mm. ambient noise was pretty damn good. And I'm not talking about the overdubbing. That was terrible. But the rest of the sound... Pretty good, considering that in the 60s, they were probably recording this on a tin can. Yeah, I think the method is you go buy a tin of condensed milk from from the little shop. Yeah. And then you and your friends drink the condensed milk. Which is the best part. And then, I don't know, something with string. And then that's how they recorded. Oh, now we know. I think microphones were only invented, like, last year or something. Oh, right. Yeah. So, new technology. We're Mm -hmm. in the future. We are in the future. So, there's this poignant scene of... Yeah, someone someone gets shot. Senzo. Although, we do also have to remember, this is the guy who was like... Let's do rape. Let's let's do all the rape. Yeah, so, I mean, we don't feel bad when he dies. The the scene just... (laughs) He was also... He was also... This is going to be relevant. Also, he was selling turtle eggs to... um, The rich dude. To the rich guy. Yeah. And, Uh, like... So he went for actual money, so he had his pockets lined. And then when he dies, he gets shot and he dies. And you just have the scene of the money, like, f- flying out of his hand and falling out of his pocket. A sort of a visual metaphor of, you know, money can't save you in reality. Yeah. Speaking of the, the rich guy. Kasai, I think. Kasai. Um, like I said, I'm terrible with names. I really just, I say that that dude's rich. That dude's a sailor. (laughs) This dude's wearing sunglasses in bed. And then I get confused because sometimes the sailor and the sunglass dude is the same person. Because they are. Yeah. And I think everyone's always wearing sunglasses. And smoking. Unlimited supply of bullets and cigarettes. Yeah. Uh, It's great. But when the rich guy eats the mushroom, when he gets tempted by the actress and and she's like, have a taste... And he eats the mushroom. The movie suddenly uh, takes a turn for the surreal and trips balls. Yeah, that kind of came out of nowhere. The movie literally trips balls. It, there's like a, a showgirl scene where like they're dancing and then a contortionist. Sort of dream like with like the Tokyo lights. And like a couple of almost kaleidoscopic effects in yeah. there. So after after the scene, the actress is like, yes, these mushrooms are great. And also, if you eat them, you become one. What a wonderful idea or something. Yeah, well, she's like, oh, I forgot to mention this. When you eat them, you become a mushroom. So, you know, sweet. She's very, like, casual about it. Yeah. Um, You know, death's coming for you. Yeah, I think the weirdest thing to me is that they never actually try cooking the mushrooms. I mean, you can eat mushrooms raw and that's fine. 
Yeah. But you could do a nice little risotto. You yeah. could uh, scramble up some turtle eggs. Get Which some chopped mushrooms in there. You could... Uh, they also had uh, sweet potatoes. Yeah, they had a lot of potatoes. A lot. And that stuff, they ate it raw. Yeah. Like carrots which was weird i don't know if that's a personal preference thing you know i don't know if maybe they none of them know how to cook maybe but they were gonna be stuck on a boat for a while so they someone would have had had a lot of like microwave mac and cheese (laughs) (laughs) that's how i travel (laughs) okay i propose we rate this form Mm -hmm. out of 24 sticks how many sticks out of 24 possible sticks do you stick this form i'm gonna give it 18 sticks out of 24 mm-hmm. that's a good score that is and is a, that too much a small pile no i mean i was gonna give the form 20 out of 24 sticks oh because i loved it this is now one of my favorite toho forms along with the original godzilla entering your canon yeah okay yeah awesome yeah i had a lot of fun with this one as well i think my rating is probably affected by the dub yeah i i I found it easy to overlook the dub because i could also laugh at it which relieved some of the tension Mm. that the form was building because there's a lot of like just misplaced grunts where i'm sure someone was saying something and then the dub's just like nope not saying anything (laughs) yeah so i mean that was our in-depth review of Matango. Or Attack of the Mushroom People. Or possibly Attack of the Mushroom Kingdom. That's not at all what it is. That's in my mind. Could well, be. You know, that's not true. It's a kingdom. It's not it's not. Okay. You stay scary. Spook spooky shrooms. Spooky shrooms. Music for today's episode provided by Infecticide. You can check them out at infecticide.bandcamp.com. I knew it. (laughs) I knew it. You knew it.